Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back, or welcome to another episode of Warden's Wisdom. I'm your host, Jimmy Warden. On today's episode, I'm going to do another follow-up on habits, specifically how we can make or break habits and how we can create some behavior design systems in order to do either of those things depending upon our goals. This is another follow-up in response to the most recent book uh, that I've read, and that book was Tiny Habits by Dr. B.J. Fogg, a book that I highly, highly recommend if you're looking to make some tiny changes that end up leading to uh, large changes in your life. So uh, if you're looking to also find some ways to make or break some of your habits, then look no further than this podcast. With that being said, a quick word from our sponsors, and let's dive right in. When it comes to our behaviors that we exhibit each day, there are a lot of them that we can consider habits. In the grand scheme of things, we can think of habits as things that we do every day, sometimes even multiple times a day. A lot of habits are ones that we are not even conscious of, we just do them. Like flushing the toilet, turning the ignition on in our car, and greeting our colleagues at work. These are behaviors that have become automatized over time without a whole lot of thought. Due to the fact that habits become automatized, it is important for us to critically examine our behaviors if we want to implement some true changes. That way we have a better formula for success than merely guesswork. As stated in my previous podcast, we aren't flawed as people, but our systems for habits and behavior often are. This is due to us neglecting the fact that we don't always think as deeply as we should about these behaviors. So again, let's start with what constitutes behavior. So as stated in my previous podcast that was inspired by BJ Fogg's Tiny Habits, Small Changes That Change Everything, all behavior can be mapped because all behavior is a combination of motivation, which could be M, our ability to execute the behavior, so ability standing for A, and a prompt that cues up the behavior, prompt representing the letter P in map. Understanding this equation that Fogg created is key for us to design some thoughtful changes. So let's start with the first element. Let's start with motivation. Now, motivation is the most fickle of the three elements of behavior because of its constant fluctuation. Some days we're ready to run through a brick wall, and other days we can barely get off of the couch. Considering this volatility, It is important that we don't constantly rely on our motivation to get us in the right frame of mind for change because we'll soon fall to the level of our systems, which in this case would be our fluctuating motivation. One vital aspect of motivation is that it does provide us some insight about what we want to change and with some thoughtful introspection, some insight about why we want to change. And this is where that phrase, remember your why, comes from because that why often comes from that intrinsic motivation. I do agree that it is important that we always try to remember our why and that it can help us think of our aspirations, but it is not optimal to bank on that always being our fuel, considering the constant changing levels of our motivation and willpower. And this is where ability comes into play. Now, ability... It's pretty straightforward in that it refers to our skill level of an activity or the ease at which we can engage in an activity. For example, scrolling through our phones seems to be one of the easiest activities for humans to engage in nowadays, hence why people do it so often. 
Plus, there are many other reasons, but, you know, for example, we often have easy access to our devices, so that also gives us uh, high levels of ability to scroll. And there are other, some other reasons, but I'm not going to get into those, just not to stray off the path too much. And there are five factors that often affect our ability to partake in behavior. So here come some of the reasons uh, why we engage in scrolling through our phone so much. So first, first reason or first uh, kind of way that ability is affected. First, we have to ask, you know, do we have time to engage in the behavior? So ability is affected by time. Do we have the physical capabilities to engage in the behavior? So physical capabilities, meaning your actual talent, skill level, or whether or not your body is actually physically capable of doing something. Reason number three, do we have the resources, which often can be associated with money, do we have the resources to engage in the behavior? Number four, do we have the mental energy to engage in the behavior? And number five, does it already fit into our established daily routines? So these five factors and these five questions, when we ask them, will give us a much truer sense of our actual abilities to engage in certain behaviors without our ego getting in the way, thinking that we can just say yes to all of those questions when in fact that's not the reality that we often live in. So to bring it back to the phone example, we do have time to engage in that behavior because it doesn't take much time to open an app or a web browser and start scrolling. We also have the physical abilities and mental energy because it takes next to zero physical or mental effort. We also have the resources because we already have the phone. And it also fits into our daily routine because we've blindly made it a part of our daily routine. Sometimes people wake up first thing in the morning that they do is scroll through their phone. People are eating lunch simultaneously scrolling through their phone. Watching TV, <laughs> not much of watching TV actually going on because there we are looking at our phone. And again, sure, it might happen at these different times in each day, depending upon who you are. Uh, but needless to say, it's definitely happening. Lastly, prompts are the most important piece of behavior because, again, without prompts, there are no behavior. Prompts are the signals that get sent to our brain that make us behave. If we're hungry, we eat. If we're tired, we try falling asleep. A lot of the prompts that we have are also out of our conscious awareness because we don't think about them or analyze them. We just do them. If it's change that we're looking to make, it is vital to analyze our prompts that cue our current habits. The more specific and detailed we can make our analyzation, the more salient our results can be. For example, if we want to start implementing a running routine, a prompt for running could be changing into running clothes and shoes. If we want to start running with a friend, the prompt could be texting them to go for a run, or vice versa, they could text us. However, regardless of the prompt, it is important to pick something that is very strong because specific prompts will allow our new behavior to be something that we do consistently. So now that we have an overview of the three components of behavior, again, it's important that we now talk about how to design our behavior and some of the steps that we might take in order to do that. 
In terms of a sequence, there's no magic formula per se, but Fogg does recommend a highly structured process that could help us start to take better control of our habits. First, it begins with thinking of our goal or aspiration for change. At this point in the process, it's actually okay to be a little bit broad and less specific, and it's totally okay to shoot for the moon too. For example, maybe you want to get in the best shape of your life, or you just want to genuinely learn more. Whatever the aspiration is, we need to name it, so then we'll be able to brainstorm as large of a list of behaviors as possible that could help us get there. And Fogg refers to this brainstorming process as creating a swarm of behaviors. Considering we might be able to brainstorm a plethora of behavior, it might also be in our best interest to put a timer on the brainstorming session. That way we're not sitting there uh, for too long uh, before we start thinking about what we could do with those behaviors to make some change. So once we have our swarm of our swarm of behaviors, it's time to analyze which ones are going to be best for us to implement based on our current ability. Remember, with habit creation, consistent is king. Consistency is king. Therefore, it's best for us to try to start as small as we can and try to put our egos aside. Again, we're trying to build routines that last a lifetime, not routines that are implemented on a short-term basis. But again, you know, if that's your goal. Uh, this method can still work just fine. And when it comes to the analyzation process, Fogg mentions how we can create a four-quadrant focus map that assesses two questions. Question one is, what is the impact of change? And question two is, what is the difficulty of the behavior? Now, if we imagine the quadrants, the impact of change will be the y-axis and the difficulty of the behavior will be the x-axis. So, Again, y-axis moving vertically up and down, x-axis horizontally left to right. So these axes are sliding scales, and the high-impact changes will be at the top of the y-axis. Low-impact changes will be at the bottom, whereas easy behaviors will be on the far right of the x-axis, and difficult behaviors will be on the far left. We're searching for what Fogg calls golden behaviors, which we should be able to find in the top white quadrant of the graph. Quadrant one for all the math junkies out there. These are the behaviors that we're going to try to start implementing. And these are the ones that are probably, again, best for us in order to really start implementing some change. Now, going back to the aspiration examples of getting into the best shape of our lives or learning more, some examples of golden behaviors could be going for a walk down the street or reading one page of a book or article. They're relatively high impact because they're getting us closer to our goals and they're definitely easy to do consistently. So therefore, it falls on the higher end of the ability scale. So these behaviors might seem too easy for some, but remember, we want to be pushed past that action line even when our motivation is extremely low, which is why it is vital to start small, and in some cases smaller than we think is necessary. This will enable us to keep our momentum for change going and allow us to stay consistent. Now that we've figured out what behaviors we want to try to implement, we should start thinking of some potential prompts that could lead us to those behaviors. And when it comes to prompts, it is best to think about some prompts that actually already exist in our lives. Some of the previous habits I stated that we do intuitively, like flushing the toilet, turning our car off, or greeting our colleagues at work, 
could actually all serve as fine prompts to implement some new habits. For example, let's say we want to feel less stressed when we get home from work. We could use that habit of turning our car off to serve as an anchor moment that allows us to begin de-stressing. For the habit to become successful, it is important that we really try to be as specific as we can with our prompt via an anchor moment that is the tail end of a habit because it gives us an exact time and location to serve as a new prompt. Perhaps our new habit could be, after I turn my car off in my driveway, I will take three deep breaths before getting out of the car. These three deep breaths will allow us to relax both our minds and bodies when we do them properly and will allow us to enter our humble abode much calmer and more present. This three-step process can now be pieced together for implementing some real change. For example, in my own life, I have an aspiration to get in the best shape of my life. I engaged in creating a swarm of small behaviors that will help get me there. And then I played around with which ones are easiest for me to implement, which ones have high impact, and which ones I want to do. The last thought here is crucial because if it is something that we want to do, motivation will be less likely to wane and teeter and we won't be playing around with willpower forcing us to do something that we don't want to. Therefore, I've decided to start with two tiny habits to help me get in the best shape of my life. Those habits are daily exercise and eating more meat. Next, I'll explain a little bit about how setting up these behaviors with the habits that already exist in my life, which kind of now pull as double duty and serve as prompts for starter steps. So for my daily exercise habit, my anchoring moment is when I put my backpack down in my office. I've created the implementation intention of after I put my backpack down in my office, I will immediately change into exercise clothes. I now have an anchoring moment when I put my backpack down that is coupled with a starter step, changing into exercise gear to help push me in the direction of exercise. Please note that I have not been super specific about my exercise, and I've done that on purpose because exercise can come in many various forms like walking, running, yoga, stretching, resistance band training, weight training, high intensity interval training, biking, etc. Therefore, I keep a vast variety of options open for when my vo- for when my motivation to run or weight train wanes, I can do something that might be a little easier for me to do, like go for a walk. This helps me keep the habit intact despite fluctuating motivation, and it helps me stave off my inner critic for not doing something as challenging. Once I feel I have really nailed down my consistency of daily exercise, then I can tinker with the challenges that each day could bring and tinker with what exactly is I want to do that day. And as far as the the one about eating more meat, that's something that I've created in, as a an anchoring moment is after I change into my pajamas, I will turn on my grill because I have a gas grill outside. And usually my routine after I exercise, I shower, change. So right after I change, I immediately go out to my porch and I turn my grill on. And that's how I am also able to implement that specific change. I'm sorry, I didn't get to that sooner. Now going back to the inner critic uh, that I have, I know that we all actually have one as well, which is why We should try to fight the temptation to criticize ourselves by celebrating instead. Sure, this might seem hokey or lame to some of you, but let me assure you it is crucial for successful change. 
Celebrating even the smallest of wins, like the starter step, putting on exercise clothes, helps us generate more positive emotions like joy, accomplishment, and pride, to name a few, which then releases dopamine throughout our body. And that dopamine release will wire into our memory how that celebration made us feel. This wiring of positive emotion will increase the likelihood of us repeating that new behavior because the reward system in our brain will recognize the celebration as a reward. And if we don't celebrate, there's a much higher likelihood our brains don't recognize a reward for what we've done. No reward makes it much less likely we will engage in the behavior again. And Fogg even mentions in his book that we should try to celebrate at three different points of our new habit. The first point is when we remember to start our new habit. The second point is while doing the habit, so in the middle of it. And the third point is after the habit. His rationale for this is that celebrating at three different times, the three different, excuse me, his rationale for this is that celebrating at the three different times of remembering, executing, and finishing is that it helps to wire in our memory to do the habit. And that memory wires in quicker because of the extra celebrations. And now I've talked a lot about making habits, but what about breaking habits? Breaking habits is another aspect of behavior design that we can also plan for and engage in. We can start by thinking about the components of behavior yet again, because it can help us reverse engineer a great plan for ourselves to break any bad habits. Considering that prompts are the most powerful component and they're the signal to engage in our behaviors, it is important we try to first reconsider those, the prompts that is. First thing that we can try to do in order to break a habit is to remove all of the prompts that remind us of a behavior. For example, if someone is trying to quit smoking, they could throw away all of their lighters and all of their cigarettes, cigars, or whatever else they might be smoking so that the prompts to smoke are no longer there. Not only that, but if another one of their prompts is going outside to smoke, another strategy for breaking habits is to avoid the prompt. So they can avoid going outside because this will help remove the context of the habit that someone is trying to break. The last strategy to try when it comes to prompts is to ignore the prompt. The catch with that strategy is that it relies on willpower, which is always at various levels throughout our days and weeks, so that it will be quite challenging. Uh, you know, some days in comparison to others. If we think about that smoker example. I cannot imagine it would be easy for a smoker to stare at a pack of cigarettes and not smoke one. Therefore, we should try to remove or avoid prompts before we rely on ignoring them. When it comes to ability, we could also manipulate our ability to do the behavior. If we recall the five components of ability, there could be a strategy that we could use for each one. If we want to involve money or resources, we could make it so that each time we indulge in a cigarette, we have to pay someone a fixed amount of money. Pretty quickly, that money will add up and it could help to break our habit. Another idea that could be implemented that includes ability is to make the behavior physically harder to do. We could throw our pack of cigarettes or cigars on the roof of our house, which would make the act of going to get them much more difficult than picking them up from wherever they were previously. This would also affect the amount of time that it takes for us to engage in the habit, therefore making it more adverse. We could also make the habit interfere with important habits or routines that we've already set in place so that it affects other parts of our lives and leads us to think that it's not worth the interference in our schedule. We could also make the habit more mentally exhausting by having someone 
hide them in different places so that it takes a lot of mental effort to get to our smokes. All of the aforementioned ideas make the habit harder to do, which makes it less likely for us to engage. And I understand that tobacco is an addictive substance, and I know that there these ideas are not necessarily going to solve every everything, especially if it is a strong addiction. Uh, and not only that, but I do know that addiction is very challenging to overcome, regardless of whatever it is that you might be addicted to. So in whatever case you are fighting, perhaps if you're fighting an addiction, I highly recommend seeing your primary care doctor or someone certified in mental health treatments that specializes in addiction treatment. The last component of behavior that we can manipulate is motivation. Considering motivation is on a sliding scale and some days we're much more motivated to do something than other days, this is the last component that we should try tinkering with. With that said, if we manipulate motivation in the proper manner, we could have some success with breaking an old habit. One way is to decrease the motivation to do the habit. Some of the men- the ideas I mentioned before, like throwing the smokes on the roof, not only makes it harder to smoke, but it also decreases motivation considering it would take a lot of physical and mental effort to retrieve them. Oftentimes, the harder it is something, the harder something is to do, the less motivated we become. Another way that we could change our motivation is to add demotivators. Demotivators can be thought of as negative self-talk or even shaming ourselves into or out of a behavior. For example, that smoker could ask themselves, what's the matter with you? Do you want to get cancer? And this method is one that I mentioned last because it is not actually the best strategy or approach considering the best way that people make changes is when they feel good about themselves. But there could be some folks out there that are accustomed to this type of demotivation and use it as fuel for change rather than for shame. So to tie all of these behavior design ideas together, it is important to remember the components of behavior and how we can use those components to design our changes. If we want to make some new changes, it is important to create great prompts that serve as anchoring moments to trigger the new behavior. When we remember to engage in these starter steps along with the new habit, it is crucial to celebrate the fact that we did. This releases dopamine throughout the brain and body, which allows us to experience positive emotion as a reward. Without the celebration, it is much harder for us to feel that positive emotion and feel shine, so make sure to celebrate. Not only that, but we also need to make sure we have the ability to do our new habits. And if we can't at first, we must scale back and try again and do something a little bit more easy. We could also try to increase our levels of motivation, but it is best to start with creating the best prompt and move on to making the habit easier to do in order to execute. We can also use the behavior model to break habits by removing, avoiding, or ignoring any prompts that spark our bad habits. We could also make our habit much harder to do by increasing its difficulty by one of five different ways. Lastly, we could try to decrease our levels of motivation to engage in the habit, or we could add some demotivators to make the habit less appealing. The most important ideas to remember, however, on your habit habit change journey are twofold. Number one, do what works for you. And number two, enjoy the process of playing around with your new habits. Thank you for listening, folks. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day to give this a listen. I hope you got a few action steps out of this if perhaps you're looking to make some new changes in your lives. If so, you did enjoy this. And if so, you are planning on trying to use some of the ideas mentioned in here, please feel free to share this with others that are also looking to make some change. 
The best way to support our podcast is by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You could also find us on anchor.fm. And you could also check out any of our podcasts on our website, wardenswisdom.com, W-A-R-D-E-N-S-W-I-S-D-O-M.com, where we have a page specifically dedicated to our podcasts, but you will also have access to all of the other content that we are putting out there, whether it be blog posts, poetry, informative videos, or recommended books. So thanks again for all of your support, folks. I couldn't do without you. And I'll talk to you next time.